Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us online to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. Good morning. Reading from John chapter 14, verses 4 through 6, uh, Jesus is comforting his disciples in this passage. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. John 14, 4 through 6. Awesome. Thanks for doing our reading. Um, before we jump into our message today, I would just like to take um, just the chance to highlight somebody in the room. So <clears throat> there's a lot that needs to happen for services. There's lights and there's a camera and there's computer stuff. And there's a young man here um, who came on He's a volunteer, so he began volunteering his time last year, helping us through the transition of in-person to completely online to a hybrid service of being in-person and online. And there's a lot of tech involved with that. Um, and there's multiple people who have helped with that. But this young man is actually moving. He and his family are moving back to New Zealand. And um, I just wanted to highlight Isaac this morning. He's back there behind the computer. Wave, Isaac, so we know, yes, there he is. Uh, thank you, brother. <clears throat> yeah, he is, um, he arrives early on Saturdays. Oftentimes, he's here for all three services, and there have been times when there are special events that he has uh, come over just to help, and he's, he's a young man, he's, in his, he's a teenager, and um, so, Isaac, I just want to say thank you for serving the Lord and for serving God's people. Uh, with your gifts and your talents. We really appreciate it. Good job, brother, and um, we love you. Yeah. So before we jump in, I just want to pray for, for Isaac and pray for our time in the Word this morning. Lord, it's, it's so hard because I just want to highlight so many volunteers and um, there's so many people who give of their time and talent and treasure, Lord, for this ministry to happen, and today I just am especially thankful for Isaac. Uh, would you bless the Cameron Ohana? Lord, thank you for them. Thank you for intersecting our lives with theirs. Would you bless Alex and Ruth and their children, um, Jack, Lillian, Edith, and as I've already mentioned, Isaac. So I pray that you'd be with them in the move and the transition, God, and I thank you for already raising up new volunteers to help keep this ministry going. Thank you, Lord. Um, God, I just ask that you would bless this time right now as we look at your promise to us. Uh, may it enrich our lives, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Several days ago, I went into the kitchen and I opened our freezer and I grabbed an ice tray to get some ice. And the ice cubes were floating. <laughs> That's not good. Um, 
there was an ice cube, but each ice cube was surrounded by water. And I'm like, that's weird. The bottom of the freezer is very cold, but the top is not so much. Hmm. Well, um, I like to try and fix things. It's fun for me. So, you know, I, I research side by side refrigerators and freezers. And sure enough, airflow is very important. And after a large run to Costco, things get, things get jammed in there into the freezer and the refrigerator and airflow can get blocked. So I have a very high tech uh, diagram to show you of a side-by-side -side refrigerator. And if you know about refrigerators, they are cooled by your freezer. So if something goes wrong with the freezer, chances are pretty soon it will start to affect your refrigerator. And when you have a lot of mouths to feed, food going bad is not a good thing, right? So anyway, so I was like, okay, mental note, let's move all the Costco run, let's just get the airflow going and like, Kids, don't stand there with the door open for a long period of time. We need this thing to like get the flow back. So the next morning I wake up and I'm like, okay, let's see how, how we're doing. And I open the refrigerator door and I'm like, uh, feels kind of warm. So I did the test. I got the half and half. And I wasn't born yesterday, so I didn't pour it straight into my coffee. I poured it into a side cup. And sure enough, it was coagulated. Not the kind of half and half you want to put in your coffee. I was like, oh man, what a bummer. So I'm move we're moving food out into the, we have a refrigerator in our carport. We're packing out the freezer with all the freezer items, like protect the food, save the food. And I, I'm like, okay, if it's not airflow, there's a number of things that could be, there are a number of things that could go wrong. It could be the coils, it could be the heating element that heats up the coils once or twice a day to prevent from freezing over. It could be the timer that actually communicates to the heating, uh, heating element when it's supposed to come on. And there's other things, there's damper doors and there's all sorts of variables. So I'm like, well, I know some things, so I took out all the racks of the freezer and I know that there's a panel there, so I opened the panel. Down on the bottom, ice cold. Up at the top, watery ice cubes. And I'm looking at it, and I see there's this fan, and it's not blowing. And this is the fan that actually blows the cold air up into the damper door into the refrigerator, and it's not moving. I am completely aware that I should have unplugged the refrigerator before I did what I did next, okay? I'm aware of that. I'd like you to know that I was not electrocuted. Thank you, Lord. I noticed that the two wiring clips were slightly apart. So I reached in and I pushed them together and the fan turned on. And I was like, oh, happy day. Was it really that simple? Was that the issue? Because I'm, I'm like 99.9% .9 I had fixed the refrigerator. So I put the panel back on. I, put the racks back in, there's minimal items in there, and I close it, and my wife's like, you're pretty happy right now, aren't you? I'm like, listen, babe. <laughs> I said, you know what, I'll be happy tomorrow when we open the fridge, and it's cool. So I was waking up, and, and my wife said, hey, the next morning, she's like, you're going to be really happy. I'm like, why? Is it fixed? She goes, yes. It's like a winter wonderland in there. And I was like, yes! 
Praise the Lord. Because with, in life, because there are so many uncertainties in this life, when you can be certain about something, it just feels good. And we all want to be certain about things. When I plug my phone in to be charged, I want to see that little lightning bolt. I want to know that my phone actually recognizes that it's being charged. Likewise, when I, when I click the submit button to pay one of my bills online, I really want to see that confirmation screen, along with a confirmation email that my payment has been complete. And when I send my, when I send my child to school, I want to be certain that there is proper supervision and that my little daughter is able to learn in a safe environment. We like to be certain. And with so many variables in this life, it is so nice that the Lord Jesus Christ wanted his disciples to be absolutely certain about the most important thing, how to get to where he was going. So, as already mentioned, our context, thank you for that. Our context is Jesus is comforting his disciples. And so that's why we're, we've been in this series called Promises. Jesus is, um, his desire is to comfort his followers. That is the broad context that we're looking at. When he says, do not let your heart be troubled. That's that Greek word, terasso. Don't let your heart be stirred up. Don't let it be agitated. Don't let it be like roiling water. And his promises are meant to combat that agitated heart or the roiling of your mind. So Jesus promises, hey, there's a place for you. I'm making a special abode for you. But I have to go. And as we learned, heard last week, I'm going to go, but I'm going to send another helper, the spirit of truth. Pastor Pete said, God's presence that fills the cosmos right now is inside of you. How wonderful. And in our story today, Jesus says, and you know the way I'm going, but let's not miss the immediate context of this passage because the immediate context is maybe, maybe there were other disciples that were thinking like, uh, do we know the way? But it was Thomas that spoke up. Thomas lacked certainty. And being an honest man, he owned his doubts. And wanting to be sure, he said, Lord, uh, we don't know the way. How can we know the way that you are going? And I bet there were some of the other disciples that were like, I'm really glad Thomas asked that question. And you and I have benefited from Thomas asking this question. I also want to point out that the text says that Jesus said to him, to Thomas, this was a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Sometimes when I hear this verse, I just think, I am the way. I am. No, this was like a private conversation. Jesus turns to Thomas, who is lacking certainty. He said, Thomas, you know the way. I'm the way. Thanks to the biblical author and the men and women who thought it was important to translate and print Bibles, 
you and I get to have a copy of this conversation. And truly, this gospel, the gospel of John, has been nicknamed the intimate gospel for a reason. And this is so cool. One of the greatest sayings of Jesus was in response to a doubtful disciple. Thanks to Thomas, we can all be certain about the way to God. Jesus was not vague in this moment. Yes, at times he taught in parables and people were like, what? But in this moment, he chose these three words very strategically. And I just want to talk about each one briefly. The way. Jesus said, I am the way. That word hadas means a highway. It means a path. It means a road. And Jesus revealed himself in a way that resonated with the Jewish people. For so many years now, the Jews who were following Yahweh referred to following Yahweh's law as a journey. They thought of it as walking on a path, walking on a road, literally walking in the way of the Lord. And so we're going to roll through a few verses right now uh, just to highlight this. Deuteronomy 5, 32 and 33 says, So you shall observe to do just as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right, to the left. You shall walk in all the way which the Lord your God has commanded you. Isaiah 30, 21 says, Your ears will hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Now I know I keep making like Mandalorian references. It's not on purpose. It just kind of keeps happening. But this is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left, come back to the way. Later on in Isaiah 35, verse 8, it says, A highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called the highway of holiness. The unclean will not travel on it, because Jesus makes us clean. But it will be for him and her who walks in that way. And fools will not wander on it, because the fool says there is no God. So for the Jew, it was important to know the way of God, the way in which a man must walk. David, King David, King himself, he wrote Psalm 2711, teach me your way, Yahweh, and lead me on a level path. And so for the Jewish nation, it affected the whole family. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. When he grows older, he will not abandon it. So for this saying, I am the way, for the Jewish listener, it was jam-packed with meaning. I was at Kailua Beach in the boat ramp area in the parking lot. I had my very large stand-up paddleboard and my stand-up paddle because I like to take my girls to Flat Island. So I had my kids close to me and they were carrying other things gear and such, and if you've ever walked through that parking lot, you really have to be attentive. 
because there's a lot going on in that parking lot, a lot of cars moving and trying to keep my children close. And so I'm walking, hey kids, stay close to dad. And this car pulls up next to me and there's a gentleman inside and he says, hey, excuse me. I said, yes. He said, can you tell me where you rent those kayaks that I see everybody taking out to the island? I'm like, oh yeah, sure, no problem. Um, yeah, it's easy. So you're gonna wanna just you're, you're going to want to just exit the parking lot here. You turn right. Jack, can you watch your sister? Yeah, bring her closer to me. Yeah, you're just going to want to uh, turn right out of the parking lot and go down to the stop sign, turn right again, and Eve, Eve, I need you to listen, sweetie. Can you just stay? Okay, there's, there's a car. Watch out. Um, and, and then after that, right, you're going to drive over the bridge, kind of a windy road, and then, and then you're going you're to want to turn left, but it's a roundabout, so don't turn left because that's, you can't do that there. But you're going to follow the roundabout and don't take the first right, but you don't want to take the second right. You basically want to take the third right, which is really like a left, but like, you know what? I got to go because my kids, like, dude, I wish you well. I hope you make it. <laughs> Poor guy. Like, I hope he found it. Probably ended up by the kite surfers. I don't know. But if my schedule and my circumstance had allowed, I mean, how helpful would it have been for him if I dropped my stuff and I said, you know what, I'll get in the car, I'll take you there myself. Because that is exactly what Jesus does for us. He dropped everything to take us, to show us the way. Jesus doesn't tell us about the way. He doesn't rattle off a series of complicated directions about this route. He himself is the route, the forerunner who went ahead of us in the way that we needed to go has already been. He's already been there. He knows the way. And he's coming back to literally take us by the hand personally, himself, to take us there. So when Jesus said, I am the way, we can believe he is literally himself is the way. I couldn't help but just kind of think about the, God's law because I believe that in God's wisdom and even in his mercy, God gave us the law so that you and I could see we cannot do it. Like we can't achieve righteousness on our own. It couldn't be done. We read the Old Testament, we're like, yeah, it can't be done. So Jesus came and did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Jesus became what we could not become. The way to God is not a system. It's not an organization. It's not a religion. It's not a doctrine. It's not a correctly worded prayer. It's not a pastor. It's not a subcategory of Christendom. It's not Roman Catholicism. It's not Presbyterian. It's not Evangelicalism. It's not Baptist. Hopefully all those things do a really good job of pointing people into the way, but they are not the way. Only Jesus can make the claim, I am the way. And this way that Jesus went on ahead of us Due to the fall, due to sin and death, it involves a cross. And I thought about that. I guess any one of us could die on a cross, but it wouldn't do much good because on this cross, a perfect sacrifice was required, and none of us fulfill that requirement. So that is why, for God so loved that he gave. 
He gave the way. He gave Jesus. And when you think about the thief on the cross hanging next to Jesus, all he needed in that moment, those last moments of his life, all he needed was Jesus. That was it. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Next, Jesus reveals himself as the truth. I have a friend named Aletheia, and that's the Greek word, Aletheia, so her name literally means truth, which is just so cool. And what's interesting about, again, the, the Jewish history, this word, truth, is often linked to another word. So if you look at John 1.17, I have it on the screen for us. Thank you, Isaac. John 1.17 says, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. And so I think when Jesus said, I am the truth, this was very purposeful. Even throughout the Old Testament, there are these two Hebrew words that are linked together, hesed and emet. Grace and truth. Or you can, you can translate them as loving kindness and faithfulness. It was in Exodus where Yahweh literally revealed his own character to us. And he says, he announces in Exodus 34, 6, he says, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness, has said, and truth. Amen. And so God reveals his love with a direct correlation to his reliability, his sureness, his stability that you can count upon him. Your translation for love might say loving kindness, it could say mercy, it could say grace. And then for the word emet, it can mean truth, it can mean faithfulness, it can mean firmness. And it's just so cool because the Bible reveals God is love. 1 John 4, 8. God is love, has said. And Jesus states, I am the truth. Emet. I'm the proof of that love. I am the truth that God loves you. When Jesus said, I am the truth, he was saying, I am the faithfulness of God made manifest. I'm his faithfulness. Jesus is, is the truth so that you and I can be certain of God's love for us. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. God, do you really love me? He's like, yes, I proved it. I proved it. And so in Psalm 85, 10, there's this beautiful like, imagery of grace and truth. It says, graciousness and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. And there's just this beautiful relationship between Haset and Emet. Just like there's a beautiful relationship between the Son and the Father. Jesus said, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And then third, Jesus reveals himself as the life, Zoe. So if you know anybody named Zoe, their name means life. 
And Thomas would have known that when Jesus said, I am the life, that Jesus was talking about more than just this life we live here and now, you know, and none of us have a promised numbers, number of days. Some people go way too soon. Some people live to their 60s, maybe their 70s, 80s, some people even beyond 100. But Jesus was talking about eternal life, life beyond this life. We know this because in John 5, 39, Jesus says, you, you guys search the scriptures because you think that in the scriptures you have eternal life. He says, but it is these that testify about me. Jesus was saying, what you guys have been looking for in the scriptures is manifest in front of you in the flesh. John eleven twenty five 25 says, Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And I was just thinking about this life and how frustrating this life can be. Because we're living a life of restrictions. We are living a life that is hindered by sickness, that is hindered by death. We're living a life that can be absolutely frustrating at times. We're living a life that we feel like we can ultimately be conquered by a sickness or by a death itself. But life with Jesus is living a life of no fear in death that we will not ultimately be vanquished, but we will stand with the victor, the one who stood victorious over death. And Jesus just makes it super clear. Like for the kid's sermon, he's like, there's just, there's one cup. No one comes to the Father except through me. He just knocks away all the other cups and he just says, it's just one. He wanted us to be certain about the way to where he was going. I am the way to eternal paradise. I am the way to God, your special abode. He said, I am the manifestation of God's faithfulness. I am the proof that God loves you. I am that truth. And then he says, I am life, not only here and the now, but I am life forevermore, eternal life, the fullest life you'll ever know. And it's all through me. I personally hope that as we've been going through these promises, this series, that you are encouraged. If you're a believer in God, that marinating ourselves in the word of God and his promises has been beneficial to you. I also hope that if you know someone who's going through hard times right now and they're really struggling, that Maybe God will bring something to mind, a way for you to encourage them um, with his promises and the things that we've been looking at. And I also just want to say to anyone who might have doubts, I want to encourage you because look how Jesus himself responded to his own follower who had doubts. He was so kind, so kind to him. He said, Thomas, you know the way, I'm the way. 
And so I think that you and I can be very open and honest about our journey, our walking in the way. And just be like, man, I'm really struggling with this. And I, and I hope that you have a small group or an Ohana group, some people that you can rub shoulders with and, and get honest with. Like the mask comes off. And you say, this, this is what I'm really struggling with. Because I think that we can, we can be honest with the Lord, and when we're around people who truly love us for us, we can be honest with them, and then we can actually process and work through our doubts. And so if, if you're here, if you're doubting, if you're online and you have doubts, I just want to encourage you. I, lo- I love this quote from William Barclay. It says, no one need be ashamed of his or her doubts. For it is amazingly and blessedly true that he or she who seeks will in the end find. And I think you will, and I will, have our process and get to the moment where we are absolutely sure. We have certainty if you're not already there already. It's incredible. My great-grandma, a believer in the Lord, I come from, I'm, I'm blessed to come from a family of a bunch of believers. My great-grandma, Hattie Bell Wren. Hattie Bell had 11 children. When she was about 60 years old, she got ill, wound up in the hospital, and she slipped into a coma. The children began looking after her. One of the middle children happens to be my mom's mom. My grandma, I call her Mima. And it was Mima's turn to go to the hospital and to stay the night to be with Hattie Bell. And somewhere in the middle of the night, Hattie woke up from her coma, sat up in her bed, had a glorious smile on her face, and was pointing and naming people who have died and gone on before her. She's like, Ben, oh, Martha, recognizing people. And then she laid back down and she passed away into all eternity, into the presence of Christ. And there are other stories of this, of people on their deathbed, certain, not fearful at all, but completely certain they know they're about to go into the presence of God. With so many uncertainties in this world, thank you, Jesus, that he wanted us to be certain about the most important thing, how to get to where he's going. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Would you pray with me? Lord God, thank you so much for your word, this lamp unto our feet. God, thank you that there are some things we can be completely certain about, Lord, and there's other things that are going to continue to be mysterious. But Lord, you've made it abundantly clear that there is a way to the Father, and that way is Jesus. And so, Lord, we continue to put our faith in you, All our hope is in you, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this time together that we can look at your promise and enjoy your promises to us.
And I just pray over my brothers and my sisters here that you would bless them, bless their families. Uh, may they continue to walk in your way. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.